as a leader, lead by example. You can't expect anyone to do something you wouldn't do or you haven't done. Definitely lead by example and what you want to see, be the change you want to see. When I'm dealing with a difficult situation, I put myself in their shoes. Don't dictate and be open. Ask for feedback. Welcome to the Get Unstuck Fast Viscosity podcast brought to you by VLM Training and Coaching Specialists across the UK and Australia, hosted by me, Vicky Main. Are you a business owner, leader or executive? Have you ever felt stuck or disappointed where your life or business is heading? Do you ever feel overwhelmed, compare yourself to others or feel like you're swimming in treacle at times? This podcast is here to help you get unstuck fast from viscosity to achieving escape velocity and expanding your knowledge. Our guests on the show will share practical tips and real life experience about how they got out of negative situations or circumstances to live their best life on their terms. We will be sharing real life stories from real people doing some incredible things. Stay tuned for our next guest. Welcome to season three, episode two of the Get Unstuck Fast Viscosity podcast. I'm your host, Vicky Main, and today we have a very special guest live from Western Australia in Perth, Deborah Atard Portugos in the studio. I hope I pronounced your surname right, Deb. I know it's got a bit of a Maltese twist. <laughs> Is that right? It, it um, does, Deb- yes. It's very hard. It's a hard surname, but don't worry, Vicky, because my husband doesn't know how to pronounce it and I've known him for 21 years. So you're fine. Okay, wonderful. And uh, Deb, you're the Chief Executive Officer of the Women and Infants Research Foundation, also known as WORTH, in Western Australia. And you and your team and all the researchers and doctors are doing some amazing things. Can you tell us a bit about what you're doing now and the impact you have and also a bit about your career history. Right, thanks. Well, as you said, so the Women and Infants Research Foundation is really the charity of our main tertiary hospital for women and babies here in Western Australia, King Edward Hospital. But we do also work with a lot of different entities and other universities like the University of Singapore, Japan, We work with other hospitals around both in Australia and overseas. So it's very far reaching. We concentrate on uh, preventing preterm birth, gynecology cancers and women's mental health. But for us, the most important thing is to give babies the best start to life and also build happy, healthy families. So it's really important to have the best start in life. So making sure that you've got a full-term pregnancy, you're doing all the right things. So life really starts when the woman and the man decide to have a baby. What their health is like, what they're doing there and then is going to have an impact on this child for the rest of their life. So it's really important that we understand that life actually starts the day the two people decide to have a baby, not when you're born. Uh, And that's what we stress on the most. In order for that to be good, the mum needs to be healthy. The dad needs to be healthy, both physically and mentally. Mental health is really, really important because we are seeing signs of children as young as four having mental issues if uh, the mother had been through big traumas during pregnancy. So it's really important that you look after yourself 
before you even decide to get pregnant, but more so during the pregnancy. And we also do a lot of work in the Aboriginal Indigenous space, making sure that we give, again, the best start to life. So like preterm birth in Australia, it's doubled the rate of preterm birth for Aboriginal women. So it's really important that we also look after our Indigenous populations. But what we have done, we have managed to reduce the rate of preterm birth in WA by 8%. And this was the first time in the world through that we got a grant from the government a couple of years ago. And we are now rolling out that program Australia-wide, which is very exciting. And we are looking at lowering the rate of preterm birth Australia-wide. And it's important from a lot of different aspects, but also economically, because preterm birth costs the government $140 billion a year. So if we reduce the rate of preterm birth by 10%, we are already saving government $140 million a year just by not to obviously, that is just a financial term, uh, looking at how many lives we save and how many lives we make sure that are better and have a better start is the most important thing, of course. Wow. It must be an incredibly enriching role for you. And I know you're very passionate and your team is about what you all do as well and the impact you have. When I was reading the stats online on your website, I read, I was shocked to see that there was over 15 million babies born, preterm infants born per year worldwide. That's like staggering. And the fact that from your research, you've actually managed to reduce those in Western Australia is and beyond is incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. Now, tell us, you've been with Worth now a while. Tell us about your career history and what you've been doing previously to get to where you are as a woman in leadership? Well, I started my career in Malta as a Maltese and I actually, I wanted to be a lawyer, but I'm dyslexic. So that was not going to be a really good choice for me, especially not in Malta because our laws, and it takes seven years to do law in Malta and it does take a lot of reading. So that was not going to be the case. So I did marketing and communications and business studies instead. So I first started my career as an EA in a import and export company in Malta, which I was the EA to the president. And I learned a lot from him. He was one great guy, Ronnie Damayo. But then I decided I needed something more. So a friend told me about this job with a law firm. And I actually joined as an EA to the managing partner, a guy called Tonya Fennec, who, again, was very instrumental. He's an amazing guy. Learned a lot from him. And through that, I decided, look, I want to do more. And law always interested me and still didn't want to be a lawyer. Couldn't be a lawyer, really. Wasn't viable. So I decided to... At the time, we set up this organization called Malta Dispute Management. It was mediation. And I trained as a mediator. That was a bit better and something I actually could do. So I became accredited family and commercial mediator. And we then approached Professor, the late Professor Edward de Bono to be chair of this, the Malta Dispute Management. And I was lucky enough to get to know Edward very well. And I became a master trainer in his creative thinking skills. And I also trained the first lot of family mediators in Malta with in using thinking skills, Edward de Bono's thinking skills when doing mediations. Trained as a family mediator with a lady from the UK, actually, 
called Lisa Parkinson, who is amazing in the field. She's written a lot of books who I've reconnected with recently. She's just a beautiful human. And I got a lot out of being a mediator. And we also lobbied government at the time. Antonio was amazing, managing director of this law firm. It was Fennec and Fennec, the law firm at the time. And we ended up lobbying government to make mediation for families compulsory because Malta used to take families 10 years in court to decide on anything. Kids are older. And so that was really instrumental and I loved it. And through that, I ended up meeting, I wanted to promote mediation and family mediation. So we wrote a script on how we thought it could be done in a little reenactment that we could use as a commercial. So I went and saw this guy who at the time was a journo and also did, was called Where's Everybody? And they did these sort of commercials. And while I was there, the guy said, oh, have you ever thought about being a journo and, and on television? And I said, oh, no, no, no. And he goes, look, how about you write me a script of what you would investigate first up and let's have a chat. And I did. And it was environment first up because I love the environment. And my second thing that I wrote was child abuse, actually, because I was very strongly about those two. And the guy said, I love what you've come up with. Will you join us? And I said, oh, look, well, I'll give it a shot. So then I ended up being on this television program, which is like a 60 minutes for a couple of years doing that. And I loved it because I was on camera and I did investigations, interviewed people. So it was very exciting. Then Ooh. I met my now husband, boyfriend at the time, and he's Australian. And he lived in Malta for a year. And then he decided, look, he wanted to come and do chiropractic science back in Australia. He said, why don't you come with me? And I said, look, I'll come for a holiday, but I'll be coming right back. So I came out to Perth in 2003, thinking I'm just here for two months and I'll go back. And then he said, why don't you look for a job? Long story short, a friend told us, or Sean's sister actually introduced us to a friend who was working at Australian Wildlife Conservancy. I fell in love with what AWC did. I applied for the job, got that job within three weeks of landing here. And basically the rest is history. 20 years on, I'm still here. So I worked for AWC for 14 years, which was an amazing experience. And I got to travel and see these amazing places in Australia, like the Kimberley and the Gulf of Carpentaria and Cape York. And we raised money and for conservation and wildlife. And through that, I met some of the most amazing people in this world. There's some really, really good, decent humans around. But I also got to meet Sir David Attenborough through that job, which has always been my hero. So just amazing. And people like Prince Charles, who then became patron of AWC, well, King Charles now, actually. It was an amazing journey for me for 14 years. So that was AWC. But then I was traveling too much. And I had my son seven and a half years into that. And it came to a point where I started to miss stuff at school and things. And I decided I needed something that was closer to home and that didn't require me to travel every other week. So I decided to have a look around and I just happened to come across this job at Worth and I applied for this job and ended up getting it too. So it's just been bizarre really because I had I didn't apply for anything else. When I came to Australia, the only other thing is was I went to a temping agency and my, my typing apparently wasn't good enough. 
So then I applied for the role at AWC and I got it. And then when I decided I was moving, I applied for this job. And here I am, seven years on. Wow. That's fascinating. And you've gone from being a mediator and trained in that space in Malta and working with one of the educational legends out there who is De Bono, Edward De Bono. And I remember from my teaching days, did a lot of work in that space, working with his theory and methodologies of what he did and his research. He must have been an incredible man to know and work with. And then obviously going from what you're doing and being passionate about the environment and then coming to Australia and working in that space and traveling and having all those enriched experiences. And then obviously, and your TV debut as well. And I know having worked with you for a while now, and I actually came to your last gala dinner that you had or the one before in Perth. And it was one of the best charity gala evenings I've ever been to in terms of the whole team cohesion and the way your team executed that night and just everything like down to the smallest detail, the stories that you shared about worth and the impact that you're having with the research that you're doing, all of the academic researchers sharing their insights. And it was so well put together and I've never seen an event of that nature and that caliber. It was kudos to you and your team for experiences really. And I know you raised a hell of a lot of money that night as well, didn't you? It was serious charity donors as well, which is incredible. So you must be obviously being a CEO working in the space that you're in. What's next for you in terms of obviously you've working with Worth, you're doing some, have you got some incredible projects in the pipeline for the team? What's in the pipeline for Worth in the future? You mentioned the team and I am incredibly lucky and grateful to have the people I have around me. You can't do anything without a good team. You're only as good as your people as they say. And the best thing about this place is you always feel like you're the dumbest person around because everyone is so smart and knows so much. And it's so incredible that and what they do. So I can't actually take any credit for the amazing stuff the researchers do. We definitely want to do bigger and better things. We are really wanting to take all our learnings internationally. Our objective is to save as many women and babies as we can and to make life better for them and their families. So it's a huge task. It's a huge thing to want to do, but we know we can do so much more. And so for us, it's a question of bringing more people along. We're incredibly fortunate that we've got very supportive philanthropists. The state government's doing a lot, WA as well, in this space with medical research and innovation. And just keeping at the forefront of making sure you can use the innovation and everything that's in our power, having a growth mindset and also looking at the mission, but ensuring that you're always looking ahead, not be just happy with what you're doing now. What else can we do? Who else can we partner with? Because all of this is all about partnerships and working together with other people to make sure that we can have a bigger reach and do more. Yeah. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about your role as a leader as we go throughout the podcast. But you mentioned mindset. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about that. Now, Jonathan and I wrote a book recently called The Momentum Mindset, and I know you've read it. I think particularly the work that you do, it was incredibly rewarding for me to see everybody in the room and being able to have that synergy and share 
what you guys are doing next at Worth and the impact that you're going to have. So I felt very blessed to be there and very grateful. And can you share some tips about resilience and about if someone is experiencing setbacks or their own inertia and what would you say would be some tips that you would give them and about resilience and not giving up because I know you're an incredibly resilient woman and being Maltese and I've met a few of your network in Malta while I was there and incredibly resilient but give us some tips about how maybe in your life how you've got over setbacks and been more resilient. Well, I first want to congratulate you on the book. I think it's just fantastic. I absolutely loved it. And I think it's going to become my life manual. It's not something you just read and put there. I keep going back and referring to things. And I think it's a fantastic resource for every human. And I plan to actually give as many as I can for Christmas this year to make sure we have a better world. (laughs) So thank you for doing that and putting your experience out there. You mentioned you did your first workshop for Mites, the Momentum Mites and Book with our team, and they all loved it and they still talk about it. And every now and again, we quote something from the book and joke about it. Like it's done wonders for our team and it's been fantastic. So thank you. So anyone listening to the podcast, if you get a chance, please Tell, ask Vicky to come and do this with you and your team or with you and your family even, I think, because it's just such a great thing to have. I think we all talk about our EQ and we really need to also think that's just not enough. Having a growth mindset is so important because it's what will get you through the bad times, knowing that there's something out there that you can always get up and go. So I always see setbacks and challenges as a learning curve for me. Whenever something like that comes up, I always go, okay, what is the lesson here? Why is this happening? What is the gift in it? And I try and see it as a gift. So what am I supposed to learn from here? And sometimes you end up in the same situation twice. I've had difficulties in the past and I seem to get them again. So I always go, okay, clearly I haven't learned my lesson. I've forgotten it or something's happening. Or maybe I weren't through that the first time. So I knew what I could do, what I should do this time in order to help someone else maybe and have a better outcome. That's how I try. I'm not saying I don't get overwhelmed. I'm not saying I don't go into a bit of a hole and get depressed and feel overwhelmed. And maybe having also been trained in how to do thinking skills, I usually just sit down and go, okay, what's the plus, the minus, and the interesting in here? So instead of pros and cons in with Edward de Bono, we do plus, minus, and interesting. So I go, what's the pluses, what's the minuses, and what can come out of that's interesting? So that's where's the gift, what's nice. the lesson? But that takes me a couple of days because the first day is probably anger. I'm Maltese, I'm passionate, I'm Mediterranean, so why is this happening? And then I was like, all right, toughen up, princess. Take a proper look and see what is this trying to tell you? What is this trying to teach you? So, yes, I think that's always an important thing as well. I'm very tenacious by nature. And actually, recently, I was going through a tough time and someone said, so you're going to quit? And I said, are you kidding me? I said, no, 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 this needs to be done. And he goes, oh, dear, you are just like me, too dumb to quit. (laughs) And I was like, maybe that is me. (laughs) But I'm also very loyal and I feel that I need to do what's best by everyone. And that sometimes is also my downfall because 
I forget myself. And also sometimes in business, you can't please everyone. So yeah. then I go, okay, if this is a worth thing, what's the best thing for worth? You can't think of individuals. You need to. Yeah. Looking for the gift, but in order to get me out of really bad stuff, I always think of that one phrase, this too shall pass. And I use that in both the good and the bad. So when it's a bad time, I go, Deb, you've been through tough times in your life. This too shall pass and you'll come out of this knowing, then, okay, that's what I needed to learn and I'm better for it. So when the good times are there, I also remember this too shall pass, Deb. So make the most of it, enjoy it. So like time with my son and my husband, my dog, my family, my sisters, my dad now, as you know, my mom passed away. I was very lucky to have you there and meet my mom. So that also brings it even more into perspective when you lose someone as important as your mother in your life. You realize what the important things are and you realize that the good times will pass through. So make the most of them. Yeah. Thanks for sharing what you've shared there. And I think as a woman in leadership and doing what you're doing, you've gained some really great practical skills of being able to reflect. And in fact, the previous podcast I recorded with with Tim Forbert, who's a global, he's worked in global finance for large companies like L'Oreal, and he's doing some incredible things now. He talked about reflective practice as well and how important it is to take time to reflect. But I think what you've highlighted there is actually being grateful for the good times and the moments, because how many times do we let them pass by? And I'm very much, and being in the present is really hard to do sometimes if you're so used to thinking back to the past or thinking to the future, but then that can cause anxiety or depression in, in extreme cases. Yeah. Being Practicing being present in the moment is really important. What would you say as a leader, what would you say is the top three skills that you need as a leader in business or working in a charity sector that you're in? What would you say they are? I guess for me, it depends on what the situation is. But as a leader, it's lead by example. You can't expect anyone to do something you wouldn't do or you haven't done. So definitely lead by example and what you want to see, be the change you want to see. Also, when I'm dealing with a difficult situation, whether it's someone, I put myself in their shoes. How would I feel if my boss has just come in and asked me to do this? Just being mindful of, but also always being honest and open and bring them with you. Don't dictate and be open. Ask for feedback. So I always say, please tell me what I'm doing wrong. It's great that you come and say, oh, thanks, Deb. That was great. But what do you think I'm doing wrong? Because I don't know. I hire people that know a hell of a lot more than me in every area, because I want them to tell me what needs to be done. It's important, you know, that whoever you have. So hiring really good people that know more than you is probably the best and most important things as a leader. That for me, when hearing you speak about asking for feedback, you've got to be pretty comfortable in yourself to ask for feedback from your team and people who work for you as well. And I think that really builds trust and builds confidence with them as well that you've got their back as well. And really, that's something that I've worked with some incredible leaders. And I've been a direct report to some amazing leaders, and I've learned a lot from them. Mm-hmm. And do you mentor other women in leadership? Yeah, I do, actually. I'm very lucky. I also serve on two boards as a volunteer, a medical charity and an opera. And also, I've got quite a few friends that will call and ask for not just friends, but even acquaintances, because I love being able to help because 
what's the use of you having had experiences if you can't share them and help other people? And I like to learn, but I'm also very fortunate and lucky that I have a lot of mentors myself, people that share. And I guess the important thing is we all hear of, you know, people give us advice and it's up to us what we do with it. I love people. I really love meeting new people. I think it's just one of the best things in life. And my dad told me once, everybody that you meet has something to give you. It's up to you whether you take it or not. So it could be good, it could be bad, but it's up to you. But look for it. Look at what is different in this person. What can you learn from this person? And then if you can ask some advice, I'm sure he'll be happy for me to mention him. He's the chair and founder of Business News here in WA, Elton Swartz. He's an amazing guy and a mentor. And he gave me some advice first on. And I've come back and I said, thank you for that. It's really worked. And he said, well, you give advice, but not everyone takes it. So well done for taking it. And I have to thank one of my directors, Gray Edgerton Warburton, who introduced me to him. And Gray has been an am- another amazing mentor to me. I can't mention everyone, but I've been so lucky, so fortunate. I learned so much from Edward de Bono in different things. One of the things with Edward was we were in Paris one day and I had to get a car and it was the lady was being difficult. And I remember rolling my eyes and going, oh, geez, so difficult. And he goes, now, Deb, never expected that of you. Because what if she has a sick child or a sick mother at home? You don't know what's going on in her life. So I take that everywhere with me. When someone's not nice to me, I go, Deb, they may have a sick child or a sick mother at home. You kill them with kindness and all off we go. And usually these people turn around. All these little things you learn from people. and that. But I've just been so blessed to have so many great people in my life like you. you know. Mm. And it's just lucky that... You meet someone and you go, you know what? I actually want you in my life and I'm going to make an effort to make sure that I keep you in my life. And our meeting was just a chance meeting and here we are. Yeah. Do you think that being kind, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, is if you demonstrate so kind and being so open, do you think that people take advantage of that? And does that coincide with having less boundaries? Because in my past, I've been so kind and so lovely and so generous with my time and money and all those things. And I've been burnt occasionally in the past, whereas now I've put some strong bones in place. But I'm just curious what your thoughts are on this, Deb. Yes, you are completely and utterly right. People have taken advantage of me along the years. And I do need to put more boundaries in. I always say to my son, that whatever anyone does to you is never about you. It's always about them. And yes, I should protect myself more and put boundaries in, but also all the other good people that I've helped along the way should not miss out on that because some people are bad. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that's just me trying to justify not changing. So I'll be very open. But yeah, I do and should put more boundaries in. But in another sense, I have to say it has worked in my favor a few times because people think they can take advantage of me or she'll be right. And then they're incredibly surprised when I stand up for myself. And I realize that sometimes we are underestimated because we're nice and kind. And then I've actually managed to achieve quite a few things or put people in where they should be back in their spot 
because they have underestimated my kindness. Do you know what I mean? Mm. There have been times when it's actually worked well. I think think when you're coming from a good place and you're coming from a good place and you genuinely want the best from people, when you experience these moments where people come along and test your boundaries, it's a real test of character to be able to navigate through that and come out the other end and feeling unscathed and learning from that experience. I'd like to think in the book, I talk about dodging asteroids and it's the metaphor for (laughs) and bringing people on the journey with you who you want on the journey. And there is a choice there. You don't have to bring everybody on the journey who's been with you your whole, you don't have to. And I think as humans, we're on this earth, we're learning all of the time. And I think it's that positive experience, but human behavior fascinates me. And I guess that's why I wrote the first book and the next book I'm exploring teams and conflict and things. I'm doing some research in that space. I watch this space for more about that. And I'm curious about as a leader and being so kind and being this amazing person that you are with all this depth and breadth of experience. How would you deal with or give advice to someone who was having some conflict situations in the workplace? What would you do to give them some advice if they were going through that? Essentially, their inertia at work, if you like. To me, I'm all about communication. So communicate with that person. Look at why, what the conflict is about. Where are they coming from? What is bothering them? Again, anything they are doing is always about them, not about you. I remember one time someone I worked with, she said to me, oh, you're always causing problems. And I looked at she's always causing problems for me because you don't like me and blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, sweetheart, I'm going to be a bit tough on you. I said, but you're not that important to me. She was a colleague. She wasn't one of my staff members. I said, you're not that important that I'm going to spend my life trying to ruin you or bring you down. I've done nothing of that sort. I said, so why do you think that? Why are you feeling like that? I said, because what I'm actually doing is because there is an end point and this is the objective. And Mm. if you feel that by me getting there, I'm ruining you in some way, please come and talk to me and let's go through it together. And we'll go through step by step what is going on and why you think I'm doing this to you. Because at the end of the day, I don't think anyone really sets out to ruin someone. It's a byproduct of whatever that person is. So I wasn't being rude and saying you're not that important, but I just needed to show her that the chances are that was a stuff up, not a conspiracy, because most Mm -hmm. of the times that's what it is. So I guess communication, sit down with that person and go through why they're feeling that way maybe you said something that they took wrong or that's not what you meant and you can iron it out but I do Mm. think communication is the key yeah but we all have different belief systems different values the way we are predispositioned of how we've grown up the experiences we've had we all come with not I wouldn't say baggage but we all come with these preconceived ideas and working as a team together the beauty of having that high-performing team, as you well know, because you have one, is being able to navigate and get the best out of people and bring everybody along that journey and having 
looking at the strengths of each individual and helping them harness those strengths and not focusing on the weaknesses. We all have weaknesses, even if people don't admit it, we all do, but it's navigating and focusing on those strengths as well. That's so important. And in fact, what you touched upon there in one of the chapters, I talk about Vicky and Jonathan's razor, and it's actually about not everybody is out to get someone. Let's see the best in people and think that they're doing the right thing and give them that chance before people jump to conclusions and go, actually, it is, and being cynical about it. When I was, in fact, Jonathan brought that concept into the book. And that for me was something where I really had to reflect on that and go, how many times in my life, in my work and private life, have I not seen the best in people? And I had to reflect on that myself. I thought, oh, that's really interesting. Okay, so a couple of other things. What's the bravest or scariest thing you've ever done, Deb? Probably moving to Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Because coming from an island and being the eldest of three daughters, and I never wanted to leave Malta. I absolutely love and adore Malta and love my friends. And I was very, very comfortable there. So then coming out here, it was just even simple things about not knowing how to navigate the white pages at the time to work out where what or a map. I'd never even really driven on freeways as much when I travelled in Europe, but it wasn't something I did every day. And I'm a female with very right brain, so I had to. At the time, it was still map books. There was no Google Map. You know, this book around about 10 times trying to work out where I am and panic and cry. And then when I worked for AWC, I used to drive in the middle of nowhere and I have the worst sense of direction of anyone you'll ever meet. You know how you have to spin people twice and they don't know where they are. You don't need to spin me. I don't know where I am. So that was navigating, driving for eight and nine hours in the bush to get somewhere and get that was quite a scary, scary thing. But moving to Australia, definitely. And also you're very comfortable in Malta. I was on television. I knew a lot of people. You had your contacts and you come here. And actually, before I left, I asked Edward, I said, Edward, what do you think about me going to Australia? And he said, well, darling, you're the only one who can decide it. He goes, How are you going to be comfortable going from a big fish in a tiny pond to the tiniest of fish in a huge ocean? Can your ego take that? That's wonderful. <laughs> I did exactly the same. And it was subtle things like someone said to me, Oh, out in whoop whoop. Now, who are listening to this will know whoop whoop is a metaphor for somewhere like Timbuktu, as people might say in the UK. And I remember Googling, I was having this conversation, I Googled, where is Whoop Whoop? Because I heard a couple of Aussies talking about Whoop Whoop and I was like, where is it? And it doesn't even exist, but it's subtle things like that, unless you live there. Well, we're coming to an end of the podcast episode. Have you got any final remarks in terms of if anybody is feeling stuck at the moment, what would your advice be to them? Having got all of that experience that you have, what would be your advice? First of all, get the Momentum Mindset book and have a read of it. (laughs) I think that would be a very, very good step. Do some of the exercises there. I think that's your manual and you should really do that. But then I guess the other thing, I always go thinking skills in my head. Sit down, write down on paper. What is it that, you know, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you want to do? And what is stopping you? And I think when you write things down, because when they're just in your head, they're going round and round and round and you start to get it all jumbled up. But when you check see it, 
written down on paper, you can make much more sense of it and you can actually sit and see and decide what, where do you want to go and how are you going to get there? It's very simple. Yeah. Well, thank you, Deb, for sharing all of your great knowledge and wisdom with our listeners. And where can people find you? I've got my LinkedIn profile. The only beauty of having a name as difficult as Deborah Attard Portugues is there's only one, but you'll need to know how to find it. Also look at www.worf, which is Women in Research Foundation, wirf.com.au. That's our website. And there's my profile there. So you can see that's my name. And then I'm on LinkedIn, etc. Feel free to link get in touch with me on LinkedIn or I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. And yeah, if I can be of help to anyone, I'm here. I'd love to. Thank you, Deb. And I wish you well and your team with everything that you're doing at Worth in the future. And yeah, congratulations on helping so many women and infants. Congratulations with helping them. I think it's incredible what you guys are doing. And it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for all that you do, Vicky, for us all through the podcast and through the book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.